0: Welcome to the Highland Park Community Church Podcast. Our goal is to serve and encourage you as you build a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us now as we study the Word of God together in this week's episode. Welcome to Highland Park Community Church. Our Saturday night get-togethers, leadership uh, excursions, if you will, training in the in the ways of the spiritual gifts and all those different things. Um, tonight we're going to continue our series on the gift of prophecy, and we are going to be talking specifically about different ways to develop the gifting tonight. And next week, we're going to circle back around once I have more of my notes and thoughts compiled, and we're actually going to deep dive the three different sources of prophetic revelation, uh, which I think will be fun. So, uh, But tonight, we're going to talk about developing the gift, different ways to do that. Um, I'm excited. I hope you guys are too. I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to jump straight into... Scripture and see what Scripture says. So, Abba, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing here in Highland Park. Lord, we thank you that you are compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, full of steadfast love and faithfulness towards us, that you are holy and good, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, um, that you are here with us no matter what, and that you are the rightful king and heir of Highland Park. We declare that over this borough. We declare that over this little town. Um, You are the rightful king and heir, Jesus, to Highland Park. And we dedicate this place to you. We ask that you give us boldness to preach the gospel, to function in spiritual giftings, that you would stretch out your hands to heal, those that we come into contact with and prophesy and reveal the destinies of those that we come into contact with. Tonight, we dedicate to you as well. We ask that your Holy Spirit would just speak, um, that we would hear your Holy Spirit clearly when it comes to developing the gift of prophecy. Abba, we thank you. We love you. We give you all the honor and glory and praise in Jesus' holy name. Amen. All right, so the gift of prophecy. Last week, like we talked about, this is not prophecy in the sense that we are writing more scripture. That would be heretical, that would be a great error. We are speaking specifically about the gift that allows us to hear from the Lord and uh, proclaim foretelling and forthtelling things that the Lord would have us proclaim about specific individuals or specific churches. Uh, Keep in mind that 1 Corinthians 14, which is a great chapter to read both about tongues and the gift of prophecy, which we've gone in and out of uh, several times last week, and we'll go in and out of several times tonight, um, that that is the chapter that talks about how prophecy should be used. And it's speaking specifically about using the gift of prophecy in a church service um so tonight we're going to talk about developing the gift and what that looks like i do have prophecy exercises that i would love for us to do in a couple weeks um i'm really excited about them but first we need to talk about how we hear from the lord i think that this is really important because some people think that they hear from the lord and they're hearing from something else because well they don't have a right heart motive and we're going to talk about a little bit of that tonight so let's talk about developing the gift of prophecy so My first point is, how do you develop the gift of prophecy? First, you have to desire it. Um, Some people say that it's wrong to desire spiritual giftings. Some people would argue that it's against Scripture to desire spiritual giftings. I have two Scriptures for you. The first one is in 1 Corinthians 12. It is verse 31. It says, But earnestly covet the greater gifts. Keep in mind, 1 Corinthians 12 is talking about what? We've been over this several times in our spiritual gift series. It's talking about spiritual gifts. So when it says to earnestly covet the greater gifts, it's talking about the spiritual gifts that should be used in that moment. If prophecy should be used in that moment, you should earnestly desire and covet after it. Um, What I think is really interesting about this verse is that God, when he gave the Ten Commandments to Israel, one of the things he said was, do not covet. It is a commandment not to covet. But he says here in the New Testament, one thing you are allowed to jealously seek after is spiritual giftings. The right spiritual giftings for the moment that you need it. Isn't that interesting? Um, If we jump a chapter into 1 Corinthians 14, And we take a look at verse one, which we've read before as well. It says, follow after love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So the first directive in developing the gift of prophecy is to desire it. You have to want it. It's it's something that God wants us to desire. And in fact, If we continue reading first Corinthians 14, it says for he who knows, or I'm sorry, for he who speaks in an unknown tongue does not speak to men, but to God for no one understands him. Although in the spirit, he speaks mysteries, but he who prophesies speaks to men for their edification and exhortation and comfort. He who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I desire that you should all speak in tongues. But even more that you should all prophesy. For greater is he who prophesies than he who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets that the church may receive edification. What I think is important here to point out in this section is Paul isn't just saying that he desires, or that we should desire spiritual giftings, especially that we should prophesy. But he, as the apostle to the Church of Corinth, is saying, not only do I want you guys all to speak in tongues, I expect it, And I also expect even more of you should prophesy. Mm -hmm. So I would like to say that we all have the potential to develop the gift of prophecy. The way that we all have the potential to develop the gift of tongues as our own personal prayer language. Which we'll get into tongues later on. Not going to get into tongue theology right now. Um, But when we're talking about the gift of prophecy, the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul said... That he wants the entire church to be functioning in it. Isn't that interesting? Um, Sorry, my screen just went blank. i got to pull my notes back up. So, the first way to develop the gift of prophecy is to desire it. You have to want it, right? The second way is to stir up the gift. Let's go to 2 Timothy 1.6. Actually, let's um, let's start in verse three since it's a giant run-on sentence. Paul's famous for that. So, Second Timothy chapter one verse three says, "I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as I continually remember you in my prayers night and day." Greatly desiring to see you, remembering your tears that I may be filled with joy, remembering the genuine faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and that I am persuaded, and that I am persuaded lives lives in you also. Lives in you also. Man, I am out of it tonight. I need more coffee. Lives in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you by the laying on of hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-control. So here's something that I really want to point out to you guys. The second way to develop the gift of prophecy is to stir up the gifting. It says in verse 6 that we should lay on, by the laying on of hands, we should stir up our own gifts. Like we can stir them up in each other is what this verse is in the context of. But one of the reasons why we lay hands on each other is to stir up each other's gifts. What I think is really interesting is that the context of 2 Timothy 1.7, which is a verse that we quote all the time, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind, has nothing to do with fear just by itself. It has everything to do with, with the fear of using your spiritual giftings and not having them. He's saying, stir up your spiritual giftings because you have not received a spirit of fear. Isn't that interesting? It's so funny when you read things in context how much cessationism just doesn't, can't exist uh, in right theology. But I am a continuationist as well, so that's going to be my perspective. Um, I I am just leaning that way. Um, But in the context, we stir up the gift of God by the laying on of hands for... What is it for? What God has not given us a spirit of, of fear, but a power love and sound mind. What is that for? Because, you know, what is what comes before that? We're laying on our hands and stirring up our spiritual giftings, right? Um, so that's the second way. Third way, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 19. This is one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. Um, for many different reasons. Uh, A lot of people don't realize this, but in the Old Testament, prophets actually had to go to a prophetic school. Did you guys know that? I have a nice new Bible, so it takes me a little while to flip to places, and all the pages stick together. It's really nice, and I like it. Um... (laughs) So in context, if we read the title of 1 Samuel 19, this is is when King Saul is trying to kill David. David is on the run. He's running around. If we start in verse 20, it says, Then Saul sent messengers to take David, but when they saw the company of prophets prophesying, the company of prophets. Some translations say school of prophets. Isn't that weird? When he saw this school of prophets here, prophesying, and Samuel taking a stand over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. When it was reported to Saul, he sent an, he sent other messengers, and they also prophesied. So Saul sent messengers a third time, and they too prophesied. Then he also went to Ramah and came to the great well that is in Se- Seku, and he asked and said, Where are Samuel and David? And one said, They are at Narath and Ramah. And he went there to Nerath and Ramah, and the Spirit of God came upon him also. And he went on and prophesied until he came to Narath and Ramah. He stripped off his clothes, and he also prophesied before Samuel. And he laid down naked all day and all night. Therefore, they say, is Saul also among the prophets? Weird passage of scripture, so let's break this down. My third point, how do you develop the gift of prophecy? You stay in the prophetic cloud. You find a company of prophetic people, you hang out with them, you develop your giftings among them. All right, keep in mind, this is Samuel. This This is Samuel the prophet, the head prophet of Israel at this time. He has a company of prophets with them, and they're so busy prophesying, practicing their gifts, that the Spirit of the Lord is just hovering there. And the Spirit of the Lord is hovering there so thickly, what ends up happening is Saul sends assassins to kill David, and they can't find David because they get stuck with Saul's prophets prophesying because the Spirit of the Lord is so thick. So they come back, and they're like, we couldn't find him. We got stuck prophesying. Saul goes, what? That's weird. I'm going to send more assassins. So he sends more. Second wave of assassins. Same thing happens. Third wave of assassins go out. Same thing happens. And Saul finally goes, well, let me go see what the hubbub is about and see if I can find David and kill him myself. Guess what happens? The spirit of the Lord and that spirit of prophecy hits King Saul so strongly that he strips his clothes and lays on the floor day and night prophesying. And it gets to the point to where even the people of Israel begin to wonder, is Saul not also a prophet as he is king? Weird, right? It's a prophetic foreshadowing because David was king, prophet, and priest. Ah, weird. What should have happened? Shoulda, coulda, woulda, but didn't with Saul because he was disobedient. So... How do we develop the giftings? We desire desire the gift of prophecy. We stir up the gift of prophecy. We stay in a prophetic cloud or a prophetic company of people. Um, A prophetic cloud is full of the spirit of prophecy. This is the prophetic atmosphere in a gathering of believers when all present are highly aware of the mind of God for the moment and all can prophesy. I think that this is important because there have been moments in the past in past ministries that I've led that some of you guys have been a part of where some of you guys have come in and you didn't know how to prophesy, you didn't know what prophecy was, you prayed over somebody and you got a prophetic word for them anyway. Why? Because we were intent on building a prophetic culture in that moment. And that is something that we are trying to do here now in Highland Park. We want to build a prophetic culture. People that are so attuned to the mind of God that we speak what he says. Does that make sense? What I think is really interesting too, is in the Old Testament, the word for spirit, which is ruach, is also the word for mind. So when David says, Lord, renew in me a clean heart, and a steadfast spirit. He's not just saying spirit, he's saying a, a, a steadfast mind, which brings the idea of Romans 12 to renewing our mind to a whole other level, right? I think. Which we'll talk more about that next week when we talk about the three different sources of prophetic revelation. So... um. Point number four, developing the gift, is find someone that's prophetic to be tutored by. Find a prophetic mentor. We're not going to read 1 Samuel 19 through, uh, what did I read, 24 again because we just read it, but Samuel and the sons of the prophets that were right there with him, the company of prophets. Depending on what translation you're reading, some say a school of prophets, some say a company of prophets, some say the sons of the prophets translation doesn't matter. What matters is that there were people who are prophetic or who wanted to grow in the prophetic, and they came to Samuel and asked them to teach him. They were with him day and night. They developed the gifting with him. We can look at Elijah and Elisha. Um, some key references here are 2 Kings Two eight through fifteen and chapter Second Kings three eleven, you know Elijah went to Elisha, called him out of the field that he was working in, told him not to worry about the ox, not to worry about his father, just come with him, you know. Um, and uh, he did, and, and guess what? Elijah received a, a greater anointing and a greater mantle than Elijah did. Elijah gets the credit because he developed it, but when we look at the power that they flowed in. Elisha had more power than Elijah did, which is crazy to me. Um, We just read 2 Timothy, so we won't read it again, but in in 2 Timothy chapter 1, when you jump down to verse 8, it actually, Paul calls Timothy his son in the spirit. Uh, Paul was a very prophetic person, so prophetic that he didn't just function in the gift of prophecy, he functioned in prophecy in the sense that he wrote scripture, and I'm not saying that we'll ever get to that place, I don't think anyone will ever get to that place again. Again, let's let's be clear. I'm not. We're not talking about rewriting scripture or writing more scripture, adding to the Bible. We're talking about simply the gift of prophecy over individuals and over churches. Okay. Um, within churches, so Paul and Timothy, prophetic mentors, right? Paul was a prophetic mentor to Timothy. Um, the reason why I bring this up is because we have to attain local church fruitfulness before we become mobile ministries. Too many people who are prophetic think that they need to be in mobile ministry, traveling from church to church, getting paid and prophesying and putting out all these YouTube videos when they haven't even had anyone judge their prophecies yet. And that's very dangerous. Um, It's very, very dangerous. So point five is we need to Clear our motives. We need to make sure our hearts are clean. So let's go to James chapter 3. Uh, starting in verse 11, it says... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's. Hmm. Let's start in verse thirteen, actually. It says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show his works by his good life in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your heart, do not boast and do not lie against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and devilish. For where there is envying and strife, there is confusion and evil and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. Then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, without without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Um, so what, what I think is interesting here is that in order to prophesy, you have to be able to tap into the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God purifies us. It, in fact, it says that it is first pure And then peaceable, it's gentle, it's open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Um, I think that this is really important, too, because when we talk about the prophetic, we want the prophetic to be without hypocrisy. Uh, And in a minute, we're going to jump into like prophetic etiquette that is going to be really important in developing the gift and, and developing how we use it. Um, and as we go over this list of things that uh I actually grabbed from another ministry that I thought was really cool um you'll see that it's really important as to why we need to have clear motives because if we're prophesying without having a heart full of worship and holiness under the Lord, then we may not be hearing from the Lord when we ask for that prophetic word and that prophetic unction comes up. It might be from something else. So those are uh, <clears throat> five ways to uh, develop the gift or, or simple ways to develop the gift. We'll talk about how God speaks in a little bit, maybe tonight, maybe maybe in a couple weeks when we start doing some of the prophecy um, exercises. But I, I do want to talk about proper church etiquette, things that I want us to be aware of in each other and people who come in who say they have prophetic words. Okay, So when we're talking about congregational prophecy, that is prophecy over the church, here are some basic rules that I want us to To follow and be open to. And this is going to take great humility, right? Because when we say we hear from the Lord, there typically is this pride that comes over us that's like, well, thus saith the Lord, he talks to me. And well, he talks to all of his kids. So you're not special. Sorry to burst your bubble. We need to figure out how to function in this from a place of humility and willingness to be corrected because we all hear in part, which means we prophesy in part. So we never have the full story right? So, when it comes to congregational prophecy, here are 11 tips and tricks to make sure that, well, hopefully our hearts are in the right place. The first one is check with leadership first before prophesying. Leadership may have heard something else from God. The night may be taking a different turn than you're aware of, but if God has elected a leader over that church, chances are the leader is aware hopefully if he's in line with the spirit he is aligned with the spirit and he is aware of what's going on. So if your prophecy does not function within the night or the because we do it at night but the day the meeting that you're in uh, your prophetic word may be from God but it may be for you it may be for God but it may be for an individual in the church or it may be something that you just need to pray over the church in your own alone time. Check with the leadership before you start prophesying over the, over the church, all right? The second thing, this is maybe one of the most important things, is be yourself. I can't tell you how many churches I've been to, especially hyper-charismatic churches where the prophet or the person who's prophesying over the church is one way when they're not on the stage prophesying, but as soon as they get on the stage, they become a completely different person. That's that's hypocrisy. And what does the wisdom from above give us? It, it makes us be without it, right? Um, so important, be yourself. Number three, speak in the language of the people. If you're not speaking in a the language, they understand your prophecies for nothing. <laughs> like, you know, uh, kind of basic. Um, <clears throat> number four, do not prophesy about what you are personally going through. Hmm. This is important because if you're going through it right now, then you haven't gotten into the end yet. And if you're prophesying, then you want to see the end from the beginning. Because you're attuned to the mind and the heart of God in that moment. If you prophesy what you are personally going through, then it becomes too personal. personal, And your uh, perception, which could be very skewed, may come into the prophetic word. And that will not be good for people because they need to see God's perception. Number five, stay within edification, exhortation, and comfort. That is what prophecy is for over the church. It says it in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 through 5. We we read through it earlier. Number six, do not give prophetic direction of correction unless you are recognized as a prophet or prophetess by the eldership of the church. This is important because too many people come in with a critical spirit or a spirit of accusation and they think it's prophecy. Most of them are strangers that have never been in the church before in their life. And unless you have the right to speak a word of correction in the church, chances are you're going to do more damage than you are going to help because the people aren't going to trust you. And it's going to give the rest of the church uh, a reason to be suspicious and accusatory towards their leaders, and that's never helpful. Number seven, keep it brief. Know when the Holy Spirit stops and stop there. You don't need to prophesy out of your own spirit just to keep it going so you can get attention. Keep it brief, short and sweet. Eight, do not use your prophesying, prophesying time to preach. If you have a prophetic word, give the prophetic word and then get off the pedestal. All right? You're not the teacher. You're not the preacher. If you have a prophetic word for the church, just give it and chill out. Sit down. Uh, Number nine, do not take over the service. This is important. It's God's service, not yours. Just because he gave you a prophetic word does not mean you get to take it over. You're not the man of God, quote unquote, of the hour. You just received part of a prophetic word that he wanted to give to the congregation. Remember, prophecy is in part. We hear in part, we prophesy in part. It's not our job to take over the service. Ten, leave the response to God and the church leadership. if If it is a true prophetic word from the Lord, it will be up to him to steward it and the leadership of the church to steward it. You are not responsible for the people there. You do not have to keep checking in. You did your job, you gave the word, get out. Or, I mean, if you're a part of the church, you can stay, but that doesn't mean that you get to hover over people as they... Figure out what it means to walk out this word from the Lord. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. And then number 11. And this might be the most important part of it all. Be open to adjustment, denial, and correction. And what I mean by that is the Lord may adjust your understanding of the word as you give it. Okay? There may be people who deny that the word is true. That's okay. Okay? But the big thing, too, is if a a leader of the church comes up to you and says, hey, man, that was a great word, but I feel like you could have done this and this and this better. Listen, if they're a true shepherd of the church, they're not there to tear you down. They're trying to build you up to make sure that the way that you prophesy is more effective later on. Does that make sense? All right. Cool. Now. Individual prophecy. Let's throw out some guidelines. If you're going to go talk to a stranger or just somebody in the church that you see, for us, we do a lot of street evangelism, right? We have a lot of people that come into the thrift store. We do our food pantry. Here's some basics that will help us as we go and talk to individuals. Number one, approach the person with meekness. Be humble. You don't necessarily know what they're going through, although in this neighborhood, we might have an idea because stories are pretty similar, right? Number two, Make sure that your heart is pure toward the one you are ministering to. We talked about this earlier. Your heart has to be clean. You don't want to go with any sort of judgment or accusation uh, because it's going to skew the word that you might receive from the Lord. We already hear in part, <laughs> So we don't want to hear in part with our own perception. That's just not going to be okay. Um, number three, this is really important. Stay within your gifting level. Some of us may only get words, you know, like the word fire or something. If that's all you get, drop the word, leave it. You know, if you have a picture, great. Give the picture, leave it. My point is, whatever your gifting level is, stay there. You do not need to practice on strangers in order to grow in your gifting. Come back to the church, come back to your church family, Let's practice together to grow in the giftings. Make sure it's in a safe space. When you're you're around non-believers, stay in your gifting level because that's where you're going to thrive and that's where you're going to be most impactful for them to hear the gospel. Does that make sense? Um, Stay away. (laughs) I like this one too. Uh, Stay away from lofty wording like, God told me or thus saith the Lord. Because this can lead to prophetic manipulation. I was uh, I was talking to my friend Cameron um, the other day, and he was telling me this story about how he was at a church. He was in a church setting one time, and he, him and I like to use the phrasings when we're giving prophetic words over people. I feel like the Lord is saying, but I could be wrong. You know, I want you to test this. But I feel like the Lord is saying this. Well, this lady came up to him after he finished giving the word and said to him, you did that wrong. And he said, well, what do you mean? And he said, and she said, well, if you're speaking with the Lord's authority, if he's giving you a prophetic word, you need to make sure people know, thus saith the Lord. God told me this. Uh, and well, this person comes from a pretty manipulative church background, so I understand why they felt that That was the way that it needed to be portrayed, but uh, what matters is that we come from the place of humility when it comes to prophecy because, again, we hear in part, we know in part, we prophesy in part. We could be wrong. We could be wrong. The other thing is that uh, pride never won anybody over. Crazy, right? You would think but pride never wanted anybody over. Only meekness does. Only humility does. And so being open to being corrected not only enables the person to actually hear what we're saying, but it helps us develop in a way that allows us to still be wrong and grow. Because if we can't be wrong and grow then we'll only stay at the gifting level that we're at. We'll never advance any further. And that's terrible on our part because it hinders the way we hear from the Lord. Does that make sense? Hope you guys are tracking with me. I hope it, And I hope it doesn't sound too harsh, but I, I, I've seen too many people abuse the prophetic in such a way that it turns people off to it altogether. And I don't want us to be that church. So, number five... <laughs> Do not identify demonic bondage in the individual without consulting with leadership first. I've been in circles where people identify spiritual bondage and then the demon manifests in the person and like almost completely takes over and then no one around them knows what to do, including myself. Um <laughs> Uh, Mary knows because she was in some of those situations with me. And it was just, it did not, luckily the Lord was there and speaking to us. We figured it out, but it did not go well in the beginning. And in fact, it went so poorly that that same demon would come back and manifest week after week in this individual for a long time. It was not fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so I say this with the utmost humility and authority as as the pastor of the church, do not identify demonic bondage in a person without consulting with someone on leadership first so that we are aware that you see this and if it manifests, we can be prepared for it. Um, but you also don't necessarily want to do that on the streets unless you have the giftings necessary to deal with a demonic anyway, because you're going to put yourself and the person that you're prophesying over at risk. So, um, number six, Be wary of flaky prophecy. What do I mean by this? What I mean by this is... There are some people out there that just give the same generic prophetic word every single time they meet somebody. I don't necessarily think that that's from the Lord. At all. So, make sure you're developing the gifting so that that's not what you're doing. Because if that's all you're doing... You might be prophesying out of your own spirit, not the spirit of the Lord. Uh, number seven, allow the individual that you're prophesying over to judge, receive, or reject the prophetic word. Do not force it on them. Be Again, be, this is that same principle. Be open to correction. Be open to adjustment. Be open to them being in denial. Because you just never know. It's okay for us to be wrong. It is okay for us to grow. It is okay for us to fail. In fact, I expect us to fail to some degree so that we can learn the parameters that God wants us as individuals in. Does that make sense? Are you guys tracking with me? Excuse me. All right. I have 11 more. And these are just very general guidelines to prophecy this can be used in anything and everything it's not you know it's not like the other things so but it is kind of like the other things so whatever just listen and hopefully i say something nice and good and it makes sense to you guys uh and if it's not correct me later because i'm open to that right so uh number one these are general guidelines for prophecy. Number one, discern the difference between revelation and information. Revelation comes directly from the Lord. Information is something you can hear from an individual in the church. Maybe it's better if I say it this way. Discern the difference between revelation from the Lord and gossip from individuals. Hmm. Discern the difference between revelation from the Lord and information that the dude that's in front of you that you're praying over just told you. (laughs) Right? Like, Revelation is going to come from someplace deep and it's going to be something that only the Lord could have revealed to you, not something you could have picked up on off the street. Number two, keep in mind, revelation is fragmented. We prophesy in part. We know in part. 1 Corinthians 13, we'll keep going back there. 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, those chapters are so important to this gifting. We hear in part, we know in part, we prophesy in part. Revelation is fragmented. Why? Because the revelation we receive that we give to other people is meant to invite that person deeper into a relationship with Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit himself, not us. If we had all the answers, then we would be able to solve the world's problems. But guess what? We don't. The whole point of the reason why we use this gifting is to invite people into a deeper relationship with Jesus, which is why the revelation we receive is always fragmented. Right? Number three, prophecy is not always logical by any means. Um, Sometimes it is, but if it's not, then it's not. I, I remember for a season, and I, I couldn't figure out why the Lord did this to me, but for a season, any any female that I met, I, it was like I all I had, the only prophetic words I had were prophetic words about Disney princesses, which didn't make sense to me because, well, I'm a comic book guy, so I've gotten prophetic words about comic book characters before, which has been cool. But Oftentimes when I think about Disney princesses, I think about them as being damsels in distress because of what Disney used to portray their princesses like. So to me, it wasn't logical for me to get these prophetic words. But I ended up getting the princess over like over the girls that I was able to prophesy over. Each of them, I got their favorite Disney princess. And, I, and the Lord gave me prophetic revelation of where they were at in their life and how it related to that princess. And that was pretty cool. But if I just thought, oh, well, that's not logical to give this because, well, I don't think like that. So God, why would you think like that? It doesn't make sense, right? Um, which brings me to point number four. It does not always make sense to us. It does not always make sense to us, the one receiving. But it will make sense to the person that you're giving the word to. If it's a prophetic word from the Lord and it's truly meant for them, it will make sense to them. It will be edifying, it will exhort them, it will comfort them, or it will convict them, right? That's what prophecy does. It will make sense to them, but it may not make sense to us. Number five, don't judge the outward appearance. If what they look like on the outside doesn't line up with the prophetic word that you're hearing in the moment, that's okay. Don't judge. When we look at the story of David, <laughs> the smallest, the youngest, the youngest, David was probably the product of an affair. That's why he was hidden out in the fields. Most people don't realize that. That's why he was formed in iniquity. His mother's iniquity. Ah, yeah, light bulbs going off, right? That's why Samuel was like, this is the guy? Really? And God said, don't judge my king by his outward appearance. He will do great things for me, right? When you're prophesying over people, Uh, do not judge by outward appearance. Six, don't look for clues. Do not look for things that line up with your prophetic word. Just give the prophetic word and let it lie. All right? Seven, do not try to interpret the prophecy unless the Lord leads you to. There are times... Where you'll give a prophetic word or you'll get a prophetic picture and you'll give it, and the person in front of you will say, What does that mean? And you'll say, I don't know. Can you ask? I guess I can. You can ask the Lord for the interpretation, but do not try to interpret it yourself. And do not ask the Lord for the interpretation unless you are directed to by the Lord Himself or The person that you are prophesying over. Because chances are, if it's truly a prophetic word from the Lord, you don't need to interpret it. They get it. Be sensitive to the person. Number eight. Be sensitive to the person and or the situation. Be comforting. Be compassionate. Right? Nine. Minister with a spirit of restoration. We are ministers of reconciliation, according to 2 Corinthians 5. We have the same ministry that Jesus did to reconcile people to the Father. So when we're ministering prophetic words, it needs to be with a spirit of restoration and bringing that person back into God's family and restoring what was lost, not taking away. 10. Honor spiritual coverings and avoid ministering outside of leadership accountability big deal again 11 this is the final one be open to judgment on specific prophecy we need to be open to correction all of us do Um, no matter who we're prophesying over no matter what stage of life we're in we need to be open to judgment and correction you know Judgment is not a bad thing, in spite of what the world has turned it into. Judgment is not a bad thing, because the Lord's judgment is meant to bring us back to a place of righteousness, which is right standing with God. Um, And we all want to be in that place of right standing with God. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? All right, I've already been talking for like 40 minutes. So, um, that was section three, developing the gift, parameters for the gift. Um, yeah, next week we are going to circle back around and go over the three sources of prophetic revelation, um, the most obvious one being the Holy Spirit, right? But I also want to talk about the human spirit because I've been praying about that a lot. And um, I feel like I've got some pretty good insight on it that I, I just want to share and get it out there and see what you guys think about it. Uh, and then the final one is going to be an evil spirit, which will I'll give you some examples of as well in the Bible. Um, <clears throat> so, Let's see. And then the week after that, we're probably, I'm going to go over a very quick, um, hopefully it's quick, teaching on just how to hear from God specifically uh, and what He sounds like when He talks to us. And then that week and maybe the week after, what I'd like to do is for us to go over some prophecy exercises and just see how we can exercise the gift and grow in it. Um, So... Yeah, we've got snow coming tomorrow, potentially, but on Wednesday, we're going to get together and we're going to uh, finish our teaching on God's character. And we're going to talk about his faithfulness. And then on Monday, actually before Wednesday, on Monday for the men's group for church, um, we're going to be watching a movie together. And I don't remember, I think we're watching War Room. I think it's the one we're watching together which is a Christian movie about prayer and the power of prayer. So I'm excited about that. And next week, we also have our food pantry for the community. So if you are coming, let me know um, so that I can let Butch know and we can assign people places. Right after that, we have our big group meeting, which will be exciting, the first one ever, with all of the ministries and the network super cool. So that is everything for tonight. The last two weeks I have taught under an hour. Look at me go. Um, so let's pray and then we'll get out of here for tonight. So Abba, we thank you for what your word says about prophecy. We thank you for what your word says about how we we hear from you. We thank you for prophetic accountability and Lord, we just we ask that we would be so open to hearing from you that you would be able to speak sovereignly to us as we are gathered together, as we are at church, as we come together to pray together. Um, any shape and form and fashion, Lord, whatever you want to say, we, we say we are open. Have your way. Help us develop the gift to hear from you better. Um, help us develop the gift to hear from you better so that We can grow with you so that we can be like Jesus and say the words that he he heard the Father speaking, do the things he saw his Father doing. Um, That's who we want to be. That's the type of people we want to be, and that's who we want to be in order to impact Island Park for your kingdom. So we thank you. Uh, We bless you, Lord. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Highland Park Community Church Podcast. We pray that you experienced the Holy Spirit in revelation and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. If you've been impacted by our ministry and would like to make a financial contribution, or you'd like to partner with us to reach the Highland Park community, visit us at www.myhpcc.net. We'll see you next time.